The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Live! From MMA Fighting Studios, this is Between the Links. And now, your host, Mike Heck. The iconic voice of Esther Lynn welcomes you to a brand new edition of BTL. Thank you for having us on another Thursday. A lot to talk about this week on the show. A lot of fights coming up this weekend. Some storylines coming out of this past weekend's UFC 289 event in Vancouver. We'll discuss all of that and more. But first, let us introduce the panel in this number one contender battle. New York Rick is watching this very closely as we introduce the man from No Bets Bard. Mr. Hot Take always brings the fire. And guess what? He's not afraid of heights. So he's here live and in the flesh. MMA Fighting Zone, Jed Mishu. Hello, Jed. Welcome back. Wait a second. Ricky's the champion? Holy shit, this show has fallen off. If Ricky's the champion, I gotta get I gotta get things back in order, guys. Sorry about that. Wow. And looking Jeez. to get back to a BTL title shot. The Prince of Positivity is from on to the next one and Tough Hang, also from MMAfighting.com. Mr. Alexander K. Lee. Hello, my best friend. How are What's you? Up, my best friend. Uh, Jed, making New York Rick sound like he's going to be like the Juliana Pena of, of BTL. Come on now. I think he's <laughs> he's more esteemed than that. Jed, let's uh, let's face off. Face off, Bellator style. Listen, we're don't let we won't let geography. We got technology. <laughs> Bellator style only works if one of us is there in real life. Oh, you're right. You're we can't right. Yes, both be doing it digitally. One of us has to be with Mike, like with Mike, and yeah. then like Mike. Let me stand. Yeah, let me square off here. That's true. That's a good point. Yes, very good point. So let's get into uh, UFC 289 right off the bat because Amanda Nunes dominates Irene Aldana. What a performance she had. It was a pillar to post type of performance. Gets it done, barely broke a sweat, and then 
She announced her retirement from the sport, which I don't think was a surprise to anybody. So Jed, I want to begin with you. You were on the post-fight show, so we kind of got your immediate reaction to everything. But look, there's been a lot of talk about the GOAT and legacies, the performance, etc. We touched on a lot of that already. But one thing we haven't really touched on in terms of her actual retirement, Jed, because we don't get a lot of good ones in the sport. Usually it's too late or too much time has passed. It's sad leading into it. And not a lot of fighters do it on top and do it on their terms. So to me, this is about as good as an MMA retirement can get. But where does this one rank for you in terms of best retirements after a fight, the timing, all of it? Oh, this has got to be number one all time, right? Like, I, I think pretty easily. Um, I mean, first, there just aren't many good ones. We've we've had a few more in recent years, which is a I mean, that's great, fantastic. It's it's a wonderful thing for the sport to start having good instead of sad retirements. So, but we still overall don't have that many of them. And even the ones we do tend to have some patina of of off or of unfortunate about it. Like prior to to Nunes' retirement on Saturday, I, I think the runners for for best retirement are between Habib and GSP. And both of those have their own problems. Like GSP's retirement is probably the second cleanest retirement, but he didn't retire in the cage. There was, you know, this potential for him to come back, but then he couldn't because the UFC wouldn't let him do the things he wanted or pay him. So it kind of ended without ending as the clean split in the way Nunes got on Saturday, uh, even if it, it was this triumphant last fight of winning a second belt doing the thing. Uh, and then Habib, who probably has the other best retirement, I mean, his is, has the specter of Abdulma not paying over it. He did not retire because he had completed the game. He retired because his father passed away tragically and he no longer wanted to play. Uh, and so even though kind of looking back, that's still a, a good retirement by most metrics. It is a very sad retirement. This wasn't sad at all. I don't know if you guys stayed and watched the whole thing or if you cut out as soon as the you know the fight was over the and the interviews were done. But Nunes was hanging around in that cage for some time, dancing, you know, just partying with the team. This was a happy, happy moment. I think it's the greatest MMA retirement we've ever seen. So it was awesome. It's gonna live on forever. AK, do you agree with this? Is this the the best retirement of all time? It, it was super fun. Uh, it was super fun. Uh, we we have to give an extra shout out to the cut man for coming in clutch because she was she was right away was like oh oh yeah, I got the gloves the gloves we got to cut off the gloves and th I mean that guy had to go in there with those scissors. I was I can't remember. I, oh, I was I was on the watch party with you guys and uh, and I was saying if that was me and I was that cut man. I, I would be terrified. My hands would be trembling. I'd probably end up snipping like part of uh, snipping one of Amanda Nunes' fingers off. I'd be so scared. I get it. It's not his first rodeo. This is his job. He's done this a million times. But holy crap! Like he probably wasn't expecting to have to do that. Um, even though there was a lot of you know retirement talk ahead of time. So huge that listen, we got to give him the hat tip that made it better. I'll probably still put it second behind Habib. And maybe for look, the content itself was fantastic. I did love listen. You had a little Reagan in there dancing. Nina was in there. That was all amazing. Good speech. We got to give her her flowers, uh, you know, and still in her relative prime, still feeling like that that she she could fight more. So there's like a twinge of, I mean, if you're a fan of Amanda Nunes, which I am, there's a twinge of like, ooh, I, you know, I I I want to see her fight again. I know she can defend this title like 
probably won two more times, but I'm also happy to see her go. And she seems pretty, you know, for the most part, pretty healthy. And we know that she has another baby on the way. So taking everything into context, that was great. But I'll still go with Habib because there's a part of me that needs to see, like that needs to make sure she's is good and gone. Because um, listen, uh, Jed mentioned GSP, and that was great. We know for like, but it did take him a while before we were like, okay, he's gone, gone. There was all that talk, like if he they, there was enough money. Of course, him and Habib wanted to fight each other, and then it just kind of happened one day where he was. I think he did a press conference. He's like, yes, I, I am retired. I'm not coming back, and and that's great. And we know that one's done. That's a completed retirement. Habib, I'm pretty sure he's never coming back unless again. As I've said before, Charles beats Islam, Kazakh Khabib. Give it gets, up. Okay, listen. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Fine, 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 fine. I'm just gonna, listen. So I, I, had to sl- I was trying to slide that one under the fence. Slide that one in there. Um, but I don't think he's coming back. Amanda, if, if God help us, if somehow Juliana Pena actually talks her back into coming, uh, again, slim chance. I think like we're talking 0.05% chance, maybe less. But if that happens, that would really spoil that retirement for me. So I'm giving it a, a like a, a tentative like A plus, but it's still incomplete for me. So uh, again, we we don't have the benefit of hindsight yet, sight yet. So we do have that with Habib. So I'll still give the nod to Habib. Um, but yes, Amanda, if she sticks to her word and enjoys her retirement as she should, uh, it's it's right up there. What I love so much about the retirement and even like the 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 fights leading into it is that she didn't retire out of spite. And I feel like she retired for herself, but there is like probably 10% of her being that retired out of spite so that she didn't get to fight Juliana Pena again. Cause Juliana was there. She talked about like storm in the cage, trying to have a moment didn't happen. And there's no way Juliana Pena is the one that's going to get Amanda Nunes back. I don't think she's coming back. And if she does, it certainly is because of Juliana Pena. So Great retirement. I agree with both you guys. It's one or two, probably no lower than that. Now, I do want to talk about Irene Aldana, AK, because look, it's it's tough to sort of kick somebody while they're down, but this is a bad performance from Irene Aldana. It's a great performance from Nunez. I don't want to take anything away from the performance, but Irene Aldana just didn't have it. In my opinion, this is one of the worst performances from a challenger in a title fight in quite some time. She at least admitted to not being at her best, but she's raring to go back to the drawing board, come back and find her way into a title shot. And she wants to become a world champion. So how long is that road back for her? And what's the next step towards achieving this goal in your eyes? Uh, it's 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 not that long. I mean, the road isn't that long. We're talking about the road at uh, women's 135, which just logistically can't be that long. Um, she's honestly one good win away. She really she really is. I I, I was probably too um, kind with my appraisal. I think you know again we were on the watch party and I was watching and I'm like, man, at least Aldana's tough and just hanging in there. And I feel like she's sticking to her game plan. And then when I thought about the, I didn't rewatch the fight, but I did think about the fight after. And I'm like, oh yeah, she pretty much just got creamed. Like and and her and her team certainly probably can't be happy with that performance. It just she was just never in it. There was just no big moment where we were like, oh like Aldana looks like like she has a chance and. Really, really didn't. And, and this, again, credit to Nunez. You know, let's not just focus on the negative. Credit to Nunez. She was awesome. I think one of the best performances of her career. I know we love the first round finishes, but as far as like going five rounds, this was fantastic for her. But yeah, uh, Nunez didn't look great. Uh, sorry, Aldana didn't look great. Excuse me. I understand a lot of people thinking, well, she doesn't. She shouldn't get a shot again based on that. And it was tough. Uh, but I think she really is one win away. The division isn't deep. At some point, the UFC is going to go back to Mexico. 
And I get it. They have, it might, it's, again, it's not looking like it's going to be this year. They are going to go back there. And uh, listen, maybe Brandon Moreno still champ by then. Maybe Alexa Grasso still champ by then. That's great. They have a bunch of options. Um, but uh, maybe Ayer Rodriguez uh, is champ. You know, maybe, maybe he beats uh, Volk or Volk leads the division. Either way, they have options. But I think Aldana is going to be one of those options too. And what better way than if she's not the champ by then, which again, I, I doubt it, to have her challenge for the title, whether it's against, I don't know, God, Juliana Pena, uh, Raquel Pennington, Maera Bueno Silva, Holly Holm. I mean, Holly Holm versus Aldana too in Mexico. It doesn't sound great, but the Mexico part makes it a little more exciting. So I don't think she's that far away. I, th- I think it's one win away. And there's absolutely a world where Aldana becomes UFC champion. In the future. This is women's bantamweight. This is women's bantamweight. It's, just, it's not a great division. It's not a great division. And uh, Aldana is still a top five fighter. And as long as she's in that mix and gets the right matchup, gets the right circumstances, absolutely she could have UFC gold around her waist someday. Jed, most people who watch the show and especially on the rankings panel know how highly regard, how high in regard you put the women's bantamweight division. Light it on fire, baby. <laughs> Burn it to the ground. But AK, thanks, Arini Aldana. One win and gets back to a title fight. Do you feel like the road is that quick or do you feel it's a little bit longer for her after this performance? No, I mean, it's one win and she's back because this division is abhorrently bad. So that's just, that's just what it is. Like I, I'm not here to sugarcoat it for you. This is the worst division in mixed martial arts. That's a real division. Featherweight isn't a real division, so it doesn't count. This is, this is bad. Like, I mean, just think about what's about to happen. Pena is about to fight Rocky Pennington for the belt. Pennington does deserve a title shot. Uh, Pena, I guess. She was a former champion. Sure. Uh, Fine. Doesn't really deserve it, but no one else does, so it's fine. After that, the winner of Holly Holm, my brain Silva, is almost certainly going to face the winner of, of the vacant title match. And then who is it? The who the longest win streak in the division is three friggin' fights, Mike, outside of Rocky. Like, that's it. And that's that's MBS, who's probably gonna lose to Holly Holm. So it's just like there's no one to face her. Like it's whoever becomes champion has to have bodies to compete against. And that's it. Like, maybe Valentina Shevchenko bumps up, uh, depending on what goes on with Alexa Grasso whenever they do rematch. But other than that, there's there's no one in line. So if Rina Aldana can get in and face – is Yana Santos still fighting? Is she retired? I'm not sure. Uh, He's still fighting, I believe. Then, yeah, Yana Santos, who I think is on a two-fight losing streak, if memory serves, is like number seven or something. In the U- Hold on. Let me look at the UFC rankings right now. Ba-ba-ba. I'm sorry, Yana Santos number six. So maybe Aldana fights Caitlin Vieira for a next title. If she beats that, then sure. Like there just aren't the there just simply aren't the bodies to do anything here. And nobody's, you know, not a young crop of fighters banging down the door to to, you know, take over the reign. So she probably gets another title shot if she can win one. I don't know if she can or not. She's not a great fighter, but if she can, she'll get one. Two things have really stood out about this conversation. One, as soon as you started talking about the women's bantamweight division, flashes of thunder and lightning outside of the house started downpouring. Pretty funny. That's a bad sign. And two, just trying to iron out how we're going to crown a new champion. And the mere mention of Juliana Pena's name has led to different inflections in the voice. But I want to have some fun with this. And Jed, we'll start with you because – 
as you said, Nunes is gone. Juliana Pena wants it. Raquel Pennington wants it. Probably the most deserving. You mentioned the Holly Holm, Myra Bueno Silva main event coming up in July. I'm giving you the book, Jed. Call me Dana White. I'm handing you the book for you to decide how to crown this new champion. How do we do it? Who is involved? What does it look like? Whatever you decide, that's what we're going to do. So this is magic wand, not what will happen. Oh, it's magic wand. It's what you would do if you had the power to do it. Well, if if I had the full power, I would would end this division. (laughs) I'm not even joking. I would just get rid of it until such time as it can be a real division. Like they they would lightweight back. That that is not an option. (laughs) That's not an option though. Okay. Uh, I mean, Rocky Pennington gets to fight for the belt. She absolutely deserves it. She's the only person in this weight class who deserves anything right now. Um, And I refuse to put Juliana Pena in a title fight because I don't like her. Um, I'm not even going to pretend that there's any other reason. I just don't – the less that she's on my television screen, the happier I will be as a human being. Uh, So I'm going to go Rocky Pennington versus Valentina Shevchenko, who's just going to abandon flyweight. You know what? I don't need flyweight. Grosso beat me fair and square. She can go uh, fight Aaron Blanchfield. Good luck with that. You have fun, Alexa. I'm going to bump up to Bantamweight, and I will be taking on Raquel Pennington to win my second UFC title. AK, how would you do it? And and Jed mentioned Aaron Blanchfield. She seems to be interested in in wanting to go up and maybe fight for that title if the opportunity is available. So you got the book, AK. How do we do this? Mike, we talked about this a little bit on Otno, but I feel like I I may have buried the lead. I feel like it uh, wasn't the headline of our show. Uh. This division cannot wait this long for a new champion. How long are we going to wait to crown a new champion in one of hopefully MMA's, four or five years? In one of MMA's most <laughs> illustrious divisions, because the way we're talking about it, I'm like, I mean, we have to wait till the end of the year, about like November, December, before we actually have a, a title fight. Uh, because I, I don't know, I don't know when they would plan to book again. If let's presume it was uh, Pena and Pennington, I guess it wouldn't have to be that long, but. Again, it's we've heard nothing yet. Nothing's nothing's put pen to paper. If anything, no one's even talking about it because Pena can't stop talking about Nunez. And you know, Pennington's pretty low key. She's not out there calling shots. She never does that. But we do have a fight on July fifteenth at the UFC Apex, and this is a chance, guys, to give some juice to one of these UFC Vegas cards. Listen, Holly Holm, Myra Bueno Silva. Uh, I, mean, I think we said we said it. It's Silva that has the longest win streak. Uh, three, Second. three. It's yes, three behind Pennington, but yes, who has oh, like five, I think, right? Five, six, five. Yeah, Pennington's on five or six. Scorching, scorching. Uh, Maira Buena Silva, a little bit cooler, but certainly worthy of a title in this division. So, UFC, do the right thing, make Holly Holm versus Maira Buena Silva for the vacant bantamweight <laughs> title. We can't wait too long to have a 135-pound champion. It's been too long since we've seen Holly Holm in a title fight. This used to be like an annual event. When's the last time Holly Holm? When's the last time Holly Holm fought for it? It's like oh years, four years. Amanda Nunes, Amanda Nunes, the uh, featherweight. Uh, oh, this is a bantamweight fight. I actually don't recall that. That was a featherweight. Uh, bantamweight title fight with Amanda Nunes four years ago. Too long. Let's end the national nightmare. Let's let's get this division back on track with a champion. <laughs> And let's have it be either Holly Holm or Maya, Maya Bueno Silva. Ratings, guys. Ratings. We got to. We got people say we always complain. All these Apex cards don't matter. Let's put the bantamweight title fight on there. There you go. 
It's a problem solved. I did it. Mike, Mike, I have an update for you. So uh, my my people got in contact. Uh, Shevchenko said no. She was just like, "Hey, uh, no, I want I want I want to get that one back. We'll we'll move up to bantamweight later, but I'm focused on, you know, I want to move up as champion. So I'm I'm going to respectfully decline. Got to respect her. You know, one one of the greats. Uh, so instead, got on the phone with Mick Maynard. We're going to, it's going to take a little bit of doing. The paper is not signed yet, but here's what we're doing instead. There's a wonderful woman who I think can be the standard bear for this weight class. Maybe not for years to come, but can certainly give it some much needed juice over the short term. Uh, big star. And just today, just today, Mike, successfully outwrestled Marshawn Lynch on a reality television show. <laughs> I'm talking about former champion Ronda Rousey. Now that Amanda Nunes is no longer there to bash her brains in, Ronda's got to be looking at this and like, I could probably come off the couch and armbar Rocky Pennington. That's very much in play for me right here. Maybe Vince will let me slide for six months like he did with Brock that one time, and I can just go make a triumphant return to mixed martial arts, you know, grease Rocky real fast. And then pretend like I'm going to fight Holly. You know, maybe even fight Holly. Maybe even rematch Holly, who is not the same Holly she was at the peak of her powers. So that's what we're doing now. When when Valentina rejected us, we're doing full court press on Ronda Rousey to come back. Wow. Can you imagine that? I oh, the scenes. I hate that. Like, I would pick Ronda to beat so many women in the UFC most of, uh, 135, most of the now, women right at 135 now. now that Amanda Nunes is no longer like, the champion it's like get yeah. her back get her back like you know MMA training for like a month and god I think she just smashes dude I <laughs> I think I'm taking her to beat Pena straight up I think I'm, I'm taking I, her to beat Pena I, I no comment no how can you say Pena was responsible for one of your greatest predictions ever Jed how can you how can you turn on her like this because I I used her for this great moment. Oh my god! Never never need to be involved with Juliana Pena again. Horrible! Wow! Horrible! It's I'm hard telling to transition you, from that. But if if Dana still cared, if the UFC still had to try and make money the honest way instead of just just put their hands out for ESPN to dump cash in their laps, Dana would immediately be calling yes. Ronda right in now a second and just be like hey. In a Amanda's gone. It's okay to come out of hiding now. You can return to you can return to unscripted fighting, and you should fight Irene Aldana. You will wax Irene Aldana for the belt or whatever. Like, just do it. It'd be sick. This is the thing we should all be hoping for. More Ronda back in our lives to be a lunatic. It'll be best. I got to tell you, I, I know you don't watch a ton of WWE programming, Jed, but the timing could not be any better for this idea to happen because Ronda is, is not over back. at all. AK, AK told me she was back with WWE this morning. She is. She it. is, but oh, okay. she is she's not over at all. Um, people are kind of done with Ronda from a WWE viewership. That's the thing. Wow. You got to go. You got to go be the, the numbers. Get back to beating real ass. Then people, people must have forgot. You got to remind them. Really interesting. All right. Well, if this happens, something. I I would like a parade, an MMA fighting parade, <laughs> to be thrown in my honor. And I feel like this you should be you should, amazing. You should, 
you should thank like Julia, Juliana Pena again for making herself like such an unsavory option for the UFC that they would go down the Ronda route. So you, you would owe her again for another successful prediction. I mean, well, if if they get her back, it probably is to fight Pena, though. They'd probably pass oh, over oh. Rocky for, for oh, Ronda. Sure, sure. Like, why wouldn't Man, they? if they can't get Joan Stipe or Connor Chandler done this year, that there should be a full court press. Guys, we got to stop this. Why not? We're going, we're, why we're, going, not? we're going too far. I'm pulling, I'm pulling on my rope. I'm pulling on my wow. rope. I want out. I want out. All right. Well, we got we got to move on, but this Please. is really interesting stuff. The point That's for not- round one goes to I mean, a flash knocked on if there ever yeah. was one. Jed Mishu. <laughs> if I didn't win that round, I was going to be upset. I did not <laughs> I see that coming. Upset if I didn't you know, that. I didn't see it coming. I circled right into it. I circled right into it and just got put in my butt. I mean, that Holy did not God. see that one coming. That was a, a fake glove touch into a right hand from Jed Mishu. He really got me. Wow. So let's head to... (laughs) The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. Don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And new customers to DraftKings can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge? That takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Let's head to Charles Oliveira, guys, because what a performance from Dubronx. A lot of people were counting him out of this fight with Benil Dariush, and the man just delivers in spades. Big finish in the first round. He wants the rematch with Islam Makachev. Could very well happen. He wants it in Brazil. That won't happen. 
but the rematch could happen. Great night for Oliveira AK. Biggest takeaway from that fight and his performance. Uh, listen, I said before, I wasn't ready to get off the Charles Oliveira train. Uh, it's in my predictions. You guys can see it. I don't, I think I predicted second round. Uh, but I did say knock. I, did I say knockout? I think I said knockout. I did say knockout, I think, because Darius is tough to, uh, tough to submit. So happened a little bit earlier than I expected. Uh, but listen, that's what happens when you have two guys who are finishers. Darius, who has a tendency to brawl. Uh, I, I just didn't like that strategy for him against Charles. And you can see why. You can see why. Some guys just have that like unbelievable finishing ability. It's to ha have that instinct. We see, you know, some guys have it at heavyweight, that death touch. I think Charles has that at lightweight, and that's pretty proven. I mean, again, the most finishes in UFC history. Uh, I loved what I saw. I loved what I saw. I, I the one thing I've I, I, I've never liked about um, Charles Oliveira getting another title shot is the I wasn't you know I wasn't all there in the first fight with Islam. I I don't like that kind of talk. He says he's never rewatched the fight, and I get it. I get it. When you're at that level, when you're a championship fighter. You, you've got to do whatever you can to give yourself that mental advantage to shake off like a loss like that. So it's cool. If, if that's what's working for him is not watching the fight again and like really believing that he wasn't, you know, that was whatever. That was that was 50% of Charles, 40, whatever. That wasn't full Charles. I, I understand. I'm not him. This isn't, that's, he's not making an objective evaluation of that first fight or his career. He's doing what he has to do to prepare himself for another fight with Islam, which he deserves, which he deserves. He is the second best lightweight in the world. Uh, I know we were joking last week about how it's it's ridiculous for someone to take pride. We we're talking about promotions, taking pride and being number two and, and staking their claim like I'm definitely number two. But for fighters, it it does matter. And and for me, he deserves the shot again to prove that he's number one. I don't think the fight would go the same way. I really don't. If anything, you go through championship history, you'll see rematches. There's there's certainly cases where uh, uh, they have gone the same way, but I would say more often than not, they don't they don't go the same way. They might have the same winner. They might have the same winner, but they they don't go the same way. We just saw uh, Adesanya and Alex, um, Alex Pereira. We just saw we saw. I always think of Aldo and Chad Mendez, where Aldo smoked him in the first fight, second round, five second fight, five round, classic, amazing title fight. Um, with with Islam and Charles, we probably get a do get a finish again in the second fight, but I I think he's done enough to earn, and and it's just he's just the better option than the people who are out there because Volkanovski really I just want to see him stay at featherweight. He can run it back with Makachev someday, but why does it have to be so soon? Um, Conor McGregor, Michael Chandler, please no. If one of them gets it, just no. And then Gaethje and Poirier, he just beat them. So other than that, then you're going for dark horses um, to face uh, Islam in in uh, 294. So we assume where this next title defense is going to happen. And I, I just don't see I don't see why it should be anyone but Charles. So he's got to go into enemy territory again, and and there you go. That'll be his last shot if he if he doesn't pull it off. Jed, biggest takeaway from Oliveira's performance. Uh, as um, I think we can all acknowledge that I've um, been maybe the biggest Charles Oliveira supporter uh, on this website <laughs> for years now. I have said this man, this man's the best lightweight on earth. And I was laughed at by by some people on this very program. They they looked me in the eyes and they said, "You're very dumb. I can't believe you would say such things." And I think he just proved, you know, that he is arguably one of the greatest lightweight mixed martial artists of all time, uh, and that I can't even keep it up. He doesn't deserve a lightweight title shot, man. I'm just gonna be, look. He is. He's one of the all time greats. One of the best action fighters of ever. Uh, sensational win can't take a single thing away from his performance and like i said on the post show 
he's going to get the title fight next. And I'm not even that upset about it. Like, it's fine because the way this is broken out, there's not really another clear and obvious contender that meets the timeline. I would say the winner of Gaethje versus Poirier deserves it more. I do believe they deserve the title fight more, despite the fact that Oliveira beat them because Oliveira just lost. And one win is not... I have been consistent about this as long as I've been doing these shows. If you lose, you got to work your way back up. And getting one win, great win. Not Again, not taking anything away from that win. I just need one more. I need one more piece of separation between the ass beating you got 12 months ago. So I can be like, oh, I forgot now how thoroughly you got worked now it will be a compelling rematch. Instead, they're going to run it right back in the entirely same circumstances. Same shit's going to happen again. I'm fine with it, though, because ultimately is what's going to happen. I don't think he deserves it, but there's not anyone else that deserves it too much more than him that matches up with the timeline. And maybe he can, you know, prove me wrong again. He's done it before. So this will be his opportunity. And if he doesn't, then maybe we can get Charles Oliveira the welterweight afterwards. And that can be pretty fun. Some fun things can happen up at 170 with, with Chucky Olives, I believe. So not a bad outcome by any respect. It's a little bit of a bummer for me in general that where there's a very high likelihood at this point that Islam Makachev's lightweight title run is just going to be a series of rematches, which sucks shit when we're talking about the best division in MMA. I'd rather him just beat up whoever the next dude is a bunch, but... Say la vie. Or Oliver and go to 145. He's still not shut the door on the return to 45. He won't. But I have. Won't I've go. shut that door. I've locked it. I dead <laughs> bolted it. it welded it shut. Listen, did you see it Pitbull? can't happen? Did you see Pitbull? I mean. Yeah. I, I mean, he made could, it. Let's could, see what happens tomorrow. That could be Charles. Yes. Right, we'll talk about that later. But we are going to talk about that later. Tomorrow. Jed, I, I want to. This has been brought up a lot since Saturday, too. Oliver's popularity in the sport right now because his star power is it's it's up there and outside of Abu Dhabi when he's fighting Makachev I mean he is over like crazy he was the cat's meow in Vancouver he looks like a star he fights like a star he carries himself like a star he's a pretty popular guy is he really popular absolutely is he a big draw that's another question so I'm curious like what tier do you have Charles Oliveira at right now? Is he like an A1 star, tier two, three? Like, where do you have him in terms of UFC superstardom right now? It would appear that he's either. So, if tier one is Connor and Connor alone, no one else is in his tier because no one deserves to be in Connor's tier. Uh, Oliveira is somewhere between two and three. I'm going to say closer to two, but. Or it's closer to three, sorry, but it's, I mean, he got a way bigger pop in Canada than I expected. And then you kind of quietly and go and look at his pay-per-view performances. And these numbers aren't as good as they used to be, obviously, what with the ESPN deal, but 300,000 buys, 500, 400, 600, that's like really respectable numbers. Now, granted, he had a lot of great dance partners, Poirier, Gaethje, Makachev, but talking about a guy who's doing pretty consistent good business at, at a rate that other people just aren't. So couple that with, with the pop, the reaction he got from Canada of all places, like that's a reaction I kind of would have expected him to get, you know, in Sao Paulo or whatever, not <laughs> Vancouver. So uh, he's definitely, you know, maybe not the AA list, but he's a, a B plus lister at, at this point, certainly. 
AK, where, where do you put him? I, I might be wrong about this, but I've kind of put him wherever Max Holloway is. That's kind of where I have Charles Oliveira because Max gets the same reaction as, as well. If he goes to Hawaii or California or Canada or Kansas City, Missouri, Max Holloway is the dude. He is the guy getting the big reactions, the big pops, et cetera. Maybe Oliveira is a little higher than that. I'm not really sure. Max is a, Max is a big star. Where do you put him as far as the superstardom ladder? Yeah, listen, tier tier three is is about right because tier three, I think, is where we put popular UFC champions and contenders, right? Tier two is is tier two for me is uh fighters who are known to most sports fans, right? If you're a sports fan, if you're really like, you know, checking out, I don't know, whatever, ESPN or MMAfighting.com, you know, because whatever, we have some crossover appeal, then you know who these people are. So that so that that would be for me tier two, be like Israel Adesanya, I think is in there. John Jones, I think is tier two. Uh, Habib was probably tier two. Again, this is, this is saying Habib, that tier one Habib was Habib was undeniably tier two. Yeah. Uh, um, because tier one is for the crossover stars, the mainstream stars. You, you, Conor McGregor right now, Ronda Rousey would have been in there. Brock Lesnar would have been in there. It's a, it's not a long list. Nate, Nate Diaz is kind of. I think Nate Diaz and Jorge, I would also put in tier two. But I get it why people would want to put them in tier one because when when they were kind of exploding with the whole BMF thing, it felt like it was tilting into the mainstream. But for me, yeah, tier one is really you have to be um you have to have some of that crossover celebrity so yeah charles cannot be tier one cannot be tier two um has to be tier three and that's not a bad place to be like i said that's where most ufc champs would be that's where that's i was, trying to, I was about to name name uh, champions and other promotions but i'm not really sure anyone in bellator would, would be able to make it up to tier three again with respect to the, the gentleman going for three division status on uh friday so uh yeah tier, tier three is we're uncomfortable putting him and again that's not that's wow. not bad that's that's not bad i think um he is popular, certainly popular among UFC fans. Again, having finishes, it helps. Having been around just for a long time helps. He's been in the UFC since – I'm having to look at this up, by the way. 2010, 13 years. There, there's a fondness here. We've seen him grow up. We, he was 20-something years in his early 20s, like 20, 21 or 20 years old when he, when he debuted. Tons of hype around him back then. Uh, again, for the most part, lived up to it. Some, some, some bumps, some bumps and bruises here and there, but I think he's earned the kind of stripes that you can that you can only earn from fans being there for you, not just when you're you know up and on your win streak, but when you're down, when you're losing. So there's that there's that fondness there. Again, he he never reaches I think that tier two, uh, tier one range. It's just it's just not going to happen, um, barring I don't know, barring a Conor McGregor fight, which please no, um, but. I, I I think he's I think he's comfortably in tier three, not a bad place to be, and uh, a, certainly a worthy again a, a guy who will help you sell you know a handful of pay per views if he ends up fighting Islam again. Last thing before we move on, and uh, I've seen a lot of negativity towards Benil Darius since Saturday. Ak uh, a lot of takes of see he was never really good anyways, and now we know a lot of people discrediting that run of wins he had discrediting what he's been able to do. Yes. I think it's fair to say that getting a title shot at 155 probably doesn't happen for him outside of something crazy and a short notice opportunity happening, but happening, but AK, what have you made of the, the sort of negative reaction about Darius and his run after this loss to Charles Oliveira? Uh, it's not surprising. This is MMA. If you lose, you were never good. You were never good. That's that's what people say. You just oh well, he, you were exposed. 
Remember, you're all, you could go on a six fight, seven fight, eight fight, nine fight, 10 fight win streak. Once you lose that one fight and the streak is broken, ah, exposed, exposed, favorable matchmaking. He got, he beat, he beat people who, uh, who, you know, stylistically, stylistically good or, or they're not that good. Or he, but he beat guys who they're not that good. Tony Ferguson he sucks. He's not good. Diego Pajeda, he's not that good. Drakkar Close, he's not that good. These are, so these are the guys that Benil beat. So obviously he's not that good. Um, th- this is just, uh, unfortunately, the nature of uh, a lot of fan discourse. Uh, I'm not going to say media because, listen, I know people say, oh, the media does it too. <clears throat> the media is critical. Excuse me. Sorry, guys. <clears throat> the media is critical, but <clears throat> excuse me. But I like to think at least at MMA Fighting and a lot of our, our you know, a lot of our compatriots at other great websites um, – we do our best to dispel these myths. We always try to give guys credit because this was a really good win streak. You can't tell me Gamrot's not a good win. You can't tell me Diego is not a good win. Drakkar close. Again, Tony Ferguson. At this point, I understand. Mileage may vary. But 2021, it wasn't quite over for Tony Ferguson just yet. Uh, this is this is just a fact. You got People have to have context, have to look back on it. His win streak was great. He, he deserved a tele shot off the... Really, you could have given him one after Ferguson. I don't remember who ended up getting around that time. I'm sure there was someone ahead of him in the pecking order. But if he had gotten a title shot, it's not like it would have been the biggest travesty. Certainly after beating Gamrot, if you gave him a title shot, it would have been met with almost unanimous uh, acceptance, except for the fact that a much more intriguing matchup came along in, in Volkanovski. So you really can't blame the UFC for putting that one together. And if you're like me as a fan, I was fine with either. I was like, sure, Darius deserves it, but I really want to see Volkanovski in Islam fight. So it's he's he's just a victim of some bad circumstances. But by no means um, was he benefiting from again, uh, uh, you know, beneficiary matchmaking or good style matchups. He's, he's, he beat all kinds of different styles. Put on exciting. I see people saying his fights weren't that exciting. That's crazy to me. I don't understand where that comes from. Um, I see people saying like, yeah, his resume wasn't that strong, but you look at the current champ who, you know, it wasn't his fault, but he had a, a fairly nondescript list of opponents on the way to his title. So yeah, listen, I, I, we, we've got to do our part, you know, to, uh, to dispel these, these horrible, horrible and dumb myths and uh, revisionist histories that just pop up when a guy loses because Dariush um, was well-deserving of a title shot. And I said this on the previous show and I'm sticking with it. I still think there's a circumstance where he gets a title fight, but yes, it, he'll, he'll, he is not the first choice. He's always, if he gets a title fight, it will be as a backup. It will be as a um, short notice replacement. And he probably has to get a, another a big win before that. And there's all these lightweight killers coming up and probably he's going to fight one of them. But if he beats them, he's back on that. He's back. He's on the short list for sure. So there's a world where he gets a title fight. And I, and I think we're still living in it. Jed, your thoughts on the reaction for Dariush and his run after what happened on Saturday? Uh, it's complicated because I don't fully agree with everything AK says there, but it's probably more nuanced than I can get in a you know 90-second response here. Uh, everything you said about Benil earning a title shot is true. Benil deserved to fight for the title. That's He had an eight-fight win streak over good quality opposition, and no one can take that away from him. It is also true that the re and part of the reason he didn't get the title fight is none of his wins were that elevating standout win that says that demands a title fight. I believe these two things can be true at the same time. Benil Darius can have deserved a title fight, and Benil Darius may well not have been one of the five best lightweights in the world at the time that he fought Charles Oliveira. Like, I don't think that that's a ridiculous statement. 
it's one that we couldn't prove because the way he fought people was he succeeded, but he didn't fight any of the top five guys in doing that. His best wins, Matush Gamrot, who I have a great deal of respect for and think highly of, but the UFC doesn't have him ranked that highly. And I think most other people probably don't think as highly as I do of Matush Gamrot. And the practical reality is in that whole run, the negatives that have come out about Benil Darius after that are unfair in the aggregate, but pieces of them are true. And the truth is in that run, he didn't fight anybody who could just put him out. And I picked Benny to win this fight because I thought that he would do like the first four minutes of that fight. He would get on top, he'd hold position on the feed. He could at least be somewhat competitive with Charles. Charles gets hit a lot as well. And Benny's proven to be very tough and he's going to win the grappling. I picked him to win that. And it wasn't true. Once they stood up, he couldn't hold up to that fire. And we didn't really know that because the only dude he fought who could really put the mitts on him like that before, Drew Dober, who he immediately worked, and Dracar Close, who tagged him in really bad ways and who is one-fifth the power puncher that Charles Oliveira is. So, like, I, I don't know what happens if Benny Darius fights Dustin Poirier, but it's entirely possible that the same shit happens because he hadn't fought an elite-level power striker before. So I think that it's it's okay to be critical of Benny Darius in, in the after fact. And, you know, saying that it is retroactively downplaying his run Maybe part of that's true, but it's also just like we have more information. We have more context to assign to the situation, and I I think it's fine. I know a lot of people get mad when we do this like retroactively about fighters. I think that it's actually just a totally reasonable way to approach sort of fight analysis and kind of our view of the sport in, in general. So for me, Benny Darius deserved a title fight. He put it all on the line, and it didn't work out for him. That sucks. Um, but we can all, we also don't have to kind of cover our ears and be like, no, he was the bestest. And then he's still the best. It's like, no, we can say, okay, he did deserve it because like he did the things that you should do to get a title fight, but he also wasn't the best guy in the world. And we know that now. And that's, that's okay too. I say it all the time. Being the fifth best dude in the world is an incredible achievement. <laughs> Well, there's the lightweight division right now. There's a lot happening, and we'll see where it all goes. We move on to this weekend. The point for round two goes to... AK! It's one-to-one. Good stuff. Power of positivity. Power of positivity. Never fails. Well, we have a lot of fights this weekend, gentlemen. Two events Friday, one on Saturday. But I think it's pretty clear to most MMA fans that the best card of the weekend on paper right now belongs to the fine folks at Bellator MMA. We got two title fights, Vadim Nemkov versus 46-year-old Yoel Romero for the 205-pound title. We have Sergio Pettis versus Patricia Pitbull for the Bantamweight title in the co-main event. Pitbull going for history and a third divisional title in a major mixed martial arts promotion. Jed, let's start with you. When you look at this Bellator 297 fight card, and you can go in any direction you want with this, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Well, I've pulled up the topology right now, and the very first thing I'm thinking is, why in God's name are there 15 fights? We just don't need this. It's very not necessary. Please be Post more responsible. Limbs, baby. Post limbs, baby. Post limbs. Post limbs. It's just, it's too many fights. It's simply too many fights. That's an eight-hour fight card. 
Eight eight hours is a long time. They're, supposed, second, they're not going to air all of them before. Actually, last time I think they did. It doesn't matter. It's still eight hours worth of fighting. It's a lot of fighting. My second thought <laughs> is, um, and I it's it's really more just a quibble because I know why they do this because every MMA promotion does this. Uh, the main event and co-main event should be swapped. Sergio Pettis versus Patricio Pitbull by just about any definition other than two dudes are heavier than the other two dudes is the main event of this weekend. We are talking about Patricio Pitbull, the Bellator flag bearer, the standard of this promotion, the most important, most successful fighter in the history of this promotion. That is inarguable. Those things that I just said about him is competing against the current reigning bantamweight champion to win his third belt in three weight classes, something that no fighter has done in a major MMA organization in history. This is historic. This is the biggest thing happening this week. Frankly, it's the biggest thing happening this month. And that includes Amanda Nunes retiring. Like this is the biggest thing that could happen is Pitbull pulling this off because it can it has the potential to usher MMA the sport into a whole new era of things of you know in the last seven eight years there have been more double champions than were in like the first 20 years of the sport because the doors got opened that this was a possibility and now every time someone wins a belt they start talking about winning two if someone can win three then we're talking about like that's rarefied boxing air when you get champions who are spanning 20 pounds worth of weight classes, you know, Manny Pacquiao's and, and stuff like that. That's what's on the line here. Yes. Is, is Sergio Pettis the best band away in the world? No. God, no. Of course not. But it does not take away how important, how seminal of a moment this could be for the most seminal fighter of this organization. And they're giving him second billing because he weighs – 70 pounds less than these other two dudes it's nonsensical it's real dumb and you should let this man cook in the main event because it's not like you're selling pay-per-views anyway so give give them the respect of this moment as opposed to defaulting to the heavier guys get top billing ak what's the first thing you think about when you see this fight card listen all i can think about is emaciated patricio pitbull and him going for those three titles like as as fun as yoel romero is listen the man brings an element of chaos to everything as much respect as we have for redeem nemkov i think we have him number three in the mma fighting global rankings so i mean listen he's legit he's legit this is not i i know there's a lot of people out there probably still not like super familiar with vadim even though he's been the champion for the past few years this will be his fourth successful title defense if he picks it off if he pulls it off excuse me this there was the um he fought Corey Anderson twice there's that no contest I guess you know obviously we don't count on no contest as a as a defense it's just nothing so that was his the when they rematched he beat Corey Anderson three title defenses great uh oh Nemkov is number two excuse me I had to check so you've got we have the number what well, we think the number two light heavyweight in the world versus a bonafide star in Yoel Romero we're talking about tiers of stardom before um, and Romero would be, I guess, tier three, which is probably still higher than, again, really anyone else in this card. So if you're – I'm playing devil's advocate here. If you're the if you're Bellator, 
this is your justification along with the traditional heavier fighters have to be at the top of the card, which is, again, I, and I'm sure we'll talk about the PFL later. That's also the case there, which is somewhat nonsensical. Um, but uh, speaking of Bellator, yeah, it should be Prestige Pitbull and Sergio Pettis. Uh, there's just such a storyline there. I like the Nemkov-Romero matchup. There's no story here. There's no history. Yeah, Romero should have been in, you know, should have been the tournament. I guess that's the point. He didn't get his chance to, um, you know, injury took him out, I think, and he didn't get his chance to fight his way to a fight with Nemkov. Okay, sure. Um, but Patricia Pibble is your guy. I mean, outside of Michael Chandler, who again now at the UFC, he is the face of Bellator. That that is how they have branded him and sold him for so long. So what message do you send? When the face of Bellator, who's about to make history, does not headline your card, it is befuddling. And Sergio Pettis is a great story too. I mean, he's coming back from. You can you can argue whether they should have just stripped the title from him. It was a bit silly that they had a great bantamweight tournament and that the it was for an interim title. So cool, they want to show respect to Sergio, but boy, if you're ever going to strip someone of a title. It's when you already have a tournament set up to crown a new champion, and then you just give Sturge. Bellator is, is Bellatoring right now. And I know we say that a lot, and it's kind of vague, and it's kind of childishly derogatory. But it's these little things that we always pick up. We always say Bellator is like so close to getting it right. And they just make these weird little decisions. And again, for anyone who's going to tune into the whole card, I understand. You don't care. You're like, I'm watching the main event and come in anyway. What does it matter what order they're in? But this is an optics thing. And again, you take a guy who marketed as the number one guy in Bellator and you put him in the number two spot. It's confusing. It's confusing. Does not does not hurt my excitement for this card at all, but just for the purposes of this debate. And again, the little things that Bellator just always seems to kind of trip over. This was uh, this is another uh, incredibly strong example. Yeah, this that this one million percent should be the main event, but it is what it is. Okay, if Pitbull pulls this off. Yeah. And he, you know, he looked very skinny on the scale, but he was smiling. He has kid up there with him. He looked in pretty good spirits, waiting under the 135 pound limit. If he goes in and pulls this off, what does this do not only for his legacy, but what does this do in terms of how you view him, his career, his run? And I guess to, to kind of add to what we just talked about, how does Bellator capitalize on this? He has a very strong case. If he pulls this off, he probably already has strong. I mean, he already is one of them. He has a strong case to be the, and I'm going to say this just to make Jed mad, to be the best fighter to never fight in the UFC. Now, well, I say that just because I want to, well, because if you're me, I mean, I still think it's Fedor Emelianenko. I think I think Fedor is still the answer. I was just, I was just trying to troll you. Um, because again, if we, we've, we, we've done a damn, they were good. We know Fedor, the level of competition he was facing was just incredible. But, you know, there, again, you can always argue that uh, there's people who are always going to say heavyweights. There's, there's still a skill ceiling in heavyweight. The lighter weight class are better, whatever, whatever, whatever. Uh, and Patricio, unfortunately, doesn't have that list of UFC-related names that Fedor has. But there will be a case. If people come to me, if, if, if Patricio Pitbull pulls this off, and in a convincing way, like a strong decision or finish of Sergio Pettis, and on, you know, Monday morning after we've had time to process it over the weekend, people are coming to me and, uh, and saying – I think Patricio is the best fighter to never fight in the UFC. I would. I think it's a completely legitimate argument. Um, it, it, this is such a like to go down. And, and listen, a lot of people don't get the opportunity. I understand becoming a multi division title is as much about opportunity as it is talent level and skill. 
again, you, if you if you, you he's reached the point he doesn't have to fight his way to a title, right? Part of winning titles in multiple divisions is you'd like to see someone fight their way there, but that just really doesn't happen in MMA. Um, so I, I think there's I think he deserves a ton of credit. Uh, this is legitimate again as any achievement I think in, in combat sports. I think it's right up there. People can can scoff at it being all happening in Bellator. I understand, but I think Sergio Perez is a really good fighter. I think. Uh, depending where I think Patricia has beaten good competition at 145. I think beating Michael Chandler was super legit. Uh, so yes, what's on the line here is will he be the number one pound for pound fighter in the world? I don't know. I wonder if some people will rank him there just based on it no longer being theoretical, but on him him actually being able to sort of you know put the to put the proof into the pudding as it were and show that oh yes I've actually competed at multiple weight classes. So pound for pound, don't I deserve extra credit for that? Some people will make that argument. And I think it's a pretty strong and fair argument. So a ton on the line here and a ton for Patricio to gain still. Your reaction to that, Jed, and also just the the tail end of the question, how does Bellator capitalize on this? Jose and I talk about this on the soon-to-be dropped preview show that we're dropping at 3 p.m. Eastern, but Scott Coe can go to the press conference all he wants and say, this is the best fighter in the world. This is the greatest fighter of all time. Three division champion, yada, yada, yada. And that's great. That's what you should do as a promoter. But that can't be everything. So what does a win do here? And how does Bellator capitalize on this correctly? I have no idea how they capitalize on this correct card. I don't know that they can. Uh, AJ is wrong. Uh, Fedor is obviously the best guy who's never fought in the UFC. That's almost certainly never going to change. Um, And I'm not here to shit on Patricio Pitbull. I don't want to shit on him. He's a very, very good fighter worthy of respect. Uh, So we're clear. The MMA fighting global rankings, the only rankings that matter, as we can all agree, currently have Sergio Pettis as the number 11 bantamweight in the world. So this will be a good, solid quality win. It will not make him the best bantamweight in the world. He won't be the best featherweight in the world. He won't be the best lightweight in the world. He will just be a very, very good fighter who has wins, good wins across three weight classes, which is not entirely unique. Other fighters have done that. Rare fight air, surely, but a very, very good career accomplishment that in no way stacks up to being the best fighter in the world for almost a decade. Fedor has that, and that's just going to stay forever. Uh, How Bellator capitalizes, I don't know, because I don't know how they succeed as a business, to be entirely frank. I don't know who outside of the deeply ingrained MMA fan base is watching Bellator, even for their good cards, and to be frank... uh, this hasn't felt super promoted to me. If I didn't work in the industry, I am not sure that I know would know that Bellator has an event this week, that it's a really good event, and that it is an event that is historically important. They have not boosted this among any of the non-work channels that I venture onto. So I don't know. Maybe the Showtime app has been blaring it 24-7 for the last month, but you don't capitalize on something on the day of you capitalize by building this thing up for weeks and weeks and and drawing interest in and creating a buzz, a buzz that doesn't exist on a weekend where it should, where they're going up against the bad PFL weight classes. I can't stress that enough. Heavyweight and women's featherweight are the bad PFL weight classes. And this UFC card, which is 
not good. They could be dominating this weekend, and maybe they still will. They definitely have the best card, but I don't know if they are or not because I don't know how this doesn't feel like it's even sort of transcended the hardcore MMA fan bubble. So I don't know how you capitalize on it. And we should throw this out because there's there's a big risk this weekend here as well for for Pitbull. This is the other thing is what if he loses this fight? He loses trying to achieve something great, but all of a sudden Sergio Pettis, who should next be fighting Patchy Mix, could reasonably be like, why would I fight Patchy Mix? I would like to go fight for the featherweight belt because I just beat the featherweight champion and I can add five pounds of muscle and I can still probably tune this dude up. So it's a, it's a really interesting fight, one I'm very uh, excited to watch, but it's definitely weird and they're definitely – it's going to be hard to see what they do, how – if they can get any momentum and what to do with it, I don't have any clue how that's going to happen for them. One thing I, I, they, they should absolutely do is if Patricio wins this fight, they need to get their asses to Brazil and do a card in Brazil. You have to do it, and he has to be on it, and he has to headline it 1,000%. Or is he him versus Patchy Mix, I guess, is what happens if he wins? Could do that, or who knows? He says <laughs> if he wins this, he might just go after a fourth title. So maybe you do him versus the winner of the inaugural he can't make, title fight. He can't make 125 based on the pictures we saw today, right? The video and pictures, there's no way. Yeah, that's going to be that's going to Oh, be God, tough. please, God, no. <laughs> I know we talked last about thing, I know we talked, we talked to you about it, Mike. I know, but please, God, no. <laughs> yeah. Last thing real quick, Jed. What's best for business in the main event? Nemkov winning or 46-year-old Yoel Romero doing Yoel Romero things? Uh, I mean, it's probably Nimkov winning, but if Romero wins, it's funny. It's definitely the funniest thing. And then they can rematch it. And it's not like there's a whole host of exciting things going on at light heavyweight for them at the moment. So they could just run it right back and Nimkov has a good chance of winning. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Nimkov's one of your young guys, one of the, one of the champions Bellator has on roster, who legitimately can can claim or can make a reasonable argument to being the best fighter in the world. Um, even though I don't think it holds up, he it's not an unreasonable argument to make. And so you want him to keep winning, um, You preferably spectacularly. But frankly, nobody looks good against Yoel Romero. It's just not a thing that happens. So he's probably going to win an ugly fight because that's the only way you beat Yoel Romero is with some real ugly nonsense. But... Still best for business. Um, yet another reason that this fight should be the co-main event because you are going to send people, unless Romero does some real gnarly stuff, you're sending people home with just on not on a high, on a huge downslope. So bad booking, just bad booking on this card, guys. Do better. Um, what time is it right now, guys? It's uh, as we record, 1.30 p.m.-ish. 1.30 Eastern. Eastern time, Eastern time. Let me say this now. On the Prince of Positivity, you guys know this. Uh, there's a really good chance that something happens to that Romero-Nemkov fight. Um, Romero did not look great at the weigh-ins. He, he needed the box of redemption. It did turn out to be the box of redemption. He made a 206, a 205, excuse me, 205. Had me championship win. He made 205, but he did not look great. He was not having a good time. Um, he was... He did the whole. Uh, I, I guess we we we. I don't know, Mike. Sorry if you were going to cue this one up, but the press conference. He wasn't there. 
he he was, which is fine, which is fine. He's afraid of heights. Listen, I've, don't make fun of people's phobias. I won't, dude, I won't make fun of people's phobias. It's a very common fear. Very common fear. Uh, why was he? He didn't. He was in bed the whole time too, right? He wasn't like oh, he was like chilling. He's chilling in bed. Uh, I wor- I worry that he's just not doing great with his weight cut, and we will find out Friday morning that this fight is just not happening because he's getting up there in age. Um, you don't recover from these things like you. I-, I don't think he was great at recovering from these extreme weight cuts when he was like you know like five years ago. Uh, and I, I can't imagine it's it's helping now. He's just recently turned forty six years old. I, I'm not. I don't mean to be a pessimist. I'm sorry. I don't mean to be a pessimist. I'm just saying there's a chance that we get our pitbull Sergio Pettis main event um, by by default, as it were, by replacement. I'm sorry to be that guy. Oh, nah. I'm sorry to be that guy. Boo me. Boo this man. Boo this man. Go ahead in the comments. Boo what this do, man. What do you What do you think is going to happen? He already made the weight. Yeah, he's gonna show up. He's gonna not do anything. He's gonna go the hell out of this. How many UFC fights have we seen recently where the people made the weight, and then we get the Saturday morning UFC at UFC news alert on Twitter that oh, by the way, changes to the changes to the card, update to the card. I think that might happen. Romero, I know, man, he's fine. I'm being bad. I'm being cutting weight since he was twelve. Doesn't all. It's not always easy and it's usually really tough. But he's going to be fine. He's getting, I, he's getting older, honest, man. Look, here's here's the real thing. We can't. I can't say this actually because it's literally a baseless claim. But come on, acrophobia was not what kept him in bed. He just didn't want to do that shit, man. He's just like, I'm not it's, feeling the vibes right now. Yes, I, that I agree here. with you. Let's look. He, yo, you know, real Ramirez, yo Romero is a champion for the new era of work work from home people we we got it three <laughs> years ago you can do anything you want via zoom call and he's figured it out he's a man of the people the soldier of god is and and he just wasn't here for it's like i want to go all up, up all those steps that sounds shitty i'm gonna sit here in my bed uh, i've got my zoom camera right here and i've got you know reruns of big brother or whatever it is i don't know what kind of shows your marrow might be a fan of watching what kind of tv shows do you you think he's a wire guy or like the sopranos so he's just doing that chilling from his bed let let him live his life he's an old man ak let him live he, his he life he's an old man does he not um <laughs> does he not fly does he not fly do you think they just like he just passes out do you think they just like give him a couple give him a couple of uh of pills and just like I, sleep his way through flight does he not fly did we Ever did anyone? I don't. I have no idea. Actually, did anyone confirm that that's what Yoel said, or or are we taking his acrophobia from he Chael Sonnen as the? Did he say it or did Chael say did, it? Didn't I mean say, Bellator like retweeted it and stuff and put it on their social okay. channels that that was the case? Okay. So I mean, again, I need a human being to to proactively say that statement that's not Chael Sonnen before I really give it credence. Uh, Romero's tra- through via translation, uh, he apologized to everybody. Getting inside that building is a fight that he knows he's not going to win. And then Romero said, and we, we have a lovely quote graphic of this on our socials. Uh, Romero said, not even with my kids would I be able to go up on a Ferris wheel. So I don't know if he was joking. Uh, we have a YouTube video of him also being terrified in uh, uh, in our in the article on MMAfighting.com. So seems pretty legit. I think I think he yeah. just is one of those guys that he just they they he, he there's does no way he pass out. 
on a There's plane. no way he doesn't fly because he was at the yeah. Sydney Olympics. Like, he's probably just asleep oh, the whole. He's probably asleep the whole time. He's just sleeping. Dude, just, honestly, I'm more mad we didn't do that. Give Yoel Romero like some Valium to be at the presser. Then that's just yeah. that's just good. Times. That would be incredible. That's what you want. But maybe you, you don't want to do Valium while you're cutting wind, though. <laughs> I could be. I've, I'm, I'm not, not a doctor. Sure. It seems bad. It's yeah, probably it not helpful. Like a great idea. Uh, a lot of good prospects on this card too. Uh, I wish they put uh, Norbert Novenyi on them? the main card. I like. I, I think he's one of the five best prospects in the sport right now. So I'm excited to see what he can do. There's a lot of good up and comers on this card. Who Who have you established as one of the five best prospects in the sport? Norbert Novenyi oh. Jr., a guy yeah, who is yeah, going to fight him. Johnny Eblen. Yeah, at some point for the middleweight title and it's going to be fun as hell uh but let's move on by the way jed to to make the 15 fight sound more palatable like four days ago this is an 18 fight card and three have fallen off i mean still got time austin vanderford austin vanderford we lost we're losing it we lost austin vanderford yeah that was mm. that was actually one of the more interesting fights on the card. But let us move on Cody to the Law, other events. Edwin Chavez this can just leave. We don't need Cody Wall <laughs> versus Edwin Chavez. I'm looking. I'm trying. I'm looking where I can cut some fat here. Oh yeah. Oh, I get rid of so many of these fights. Oh man, Pretty easy game. Well, let's get rid of one of these points. The point goes to. This ended up being a lot closer than I thought it was going to be, especially with AK laying out the guidelines of positivity first. But Jed was just positive enough to squeak out the round. It's 10 to 9. AK guys, I kept it real. For, for once, I kept it real. This is what I get. You guys, listen, you guys when might not keeping see Keeping it Romero real Romero. goes wrong. AK. You might not see Yoel Romero fight Friday. I'm just saying. You might not see it. All right? I said it. I said it. Okay. Well, if, if that is the case, I will transfer the point over to you okay How's that? okay yeah that's more than fair you're a fair i man. accept this okay if your so, does not compete tomorrow we can we can go back and uh, change these scores <laughs> yeah and if, if ronda rousey is booked to fight in, in a ufc fight this year jed is the automatic champion of btl even if he loses 15 in a row he goes into yeah. 2024 as the champion big time Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Uh, Speaking of the UFC, they're back on Saturday. The main event... Very middle lady, Marvin Vittori versus Jared Cannonier. And AK, as you said on Otno, and as I've learned a little bit more looking at this card, and I'm interested to get Jed's reaction to this, I actually think compared to most Apex cards, this is a pretty solid card. This is a pretty solid one. What's the gymnastics score here? What are you grading oh. this one on paper? Oh. Uh, 
I, I personally really like this card. Uh, I'm just looking at it now. So, look at it. We've got a lot of Bantamweights, a lot of Flyweights. We've got Name Fighters. We have a few ranked, I want to say, obviously in the main event, Armin and Joaquin Zagas. I, I yeah, think Zagas is still in our... No, maybe not. No, I'm sorry. I'm getting confused with David Dvorak. I apologize. Um, but yeah, this is a good look. This is a good looking card. And I think one of those cards that a classic fight night finishes on the prelims and then maybe it slows down a bit on the main card, but then you get some compelling uh, like sort of decisions. The main event, I, it's weirdly the main event, like I don't love. I'm proud. That's probably like, you know, if, if it were up to me, I would love to see Armand in the main event, but I get it. You can't sell Armand's rookie and Joaquin Silva as a, as a main event fight. That's fine. But that's my main event for me. Why not? Uh, I'll go. We used, we used to do public executions in this country. <laughs> okay. Listen, Joaqu- Joaquin Silva is a respected veteran. All right. I will go 8.4. 8.4. That's like my standard score, I think, for a a uh, overlooked but promising fight night. So I'll go 8.4 if everything goes correctly. Uh, that's pretty dis- disrespectful to 289, which I give like an 8.8. So I'm saying like this is just barely a notch below 289. But I have a feeling a lot of people will agree with me on that. So I stand by it. Jed, do you agree with that? That's insane, dude. That is insane. How I need you to justify this. Like, I I totally understand your score. That's not what the card is. That's what Mm -hmm. the card can be. Mm -hmm. I need you right now to walk me through. uh, There are fourteen of them, so I don't need you to walk me through fourteen fights. (laughs) Give me the top. Give me the four things that happened that make me walk away being like. This was a good use of my Saturday. I'll remember this fight card. I am ready. Dominant Armand Sarukian win over Joaquim Silva. All right. Like I said, public execution. I'm down for it. I'm sick like that. Love it. Uh, I'll go I'll go all the way down. I, I'm not going to do a top. Armin Petrosian, Christian Leroy Duncan. That's I, I'm very high on Christian Leroy Duncan, so that may have something to yeah. do with it. Uh, I admit Armin's I fights, Armin's fights have not been are all uh, awful are all awful I to watch have not been great have not I been great you. so i'm so i'm leaning towards the leroy duncan side here and hoping that he takes care of business i like sabatuni lucas almeida i think that's a really good uh, featherweight fight no comment manuel torres nicholas moda you can probably toss that one in the bin uh dalby salakov i love watching nicholas dalby fight i just wish he fought more frequently because i think he's one of the under underappreciated like bangers of the welterweight division uh bantamweights listen i'm never gonna say anything bad about bantamweights we got two of those jimmy flick i i you know that fight with charles johnson didn't go his way i'm still excited to see him fight again uh got a lot of fly flyweight under opportunities here uh jed i'm saying i know they might be dead in 2023 i know 2023 hasn't been a good year for flyweight unders i think we might get two out of three on this card I I'm I've bet them we're going for it. But I actually listen like, to what you're hold just on, saying hold on. right I, now. Hold on, I listen actually like the Blada, I like the Blada Fernandez matchup. I like their Gata Lawrence matchup. Paga Bukaskis. I like Bukaskis, but I think that's going to be ugly. You can toss that one in the bin too. So there's like a couple of fights where I I could certainly live without. But yeah, and even guys. the ones you can't aren't memorable or important. Like if this card goes the best listen. it possibly can, it's like a uh-huh. seven. 
It's like a what's, seven that it maxes out at. Memorable. What's mem- we have literally what in the just the UFC alone, and we're not even talking about again how many other fights there are this weekend. You we are saying I just wanna, I want to make you take this and own this take. You are saying that this is less than a half point different than yes. Amanda Nunes's retirement Correct. and Charles Oliveira beating the life out of Neil Darius. I completely that if stand this by. This card maxes out like two eighty nine did. You're going to be thinking in your memory of MMA, the night Amanda Nunes left the sport and the night Marvin Vittori just clinched wrestle Jared yeah, Cannonier for 25 that minutes. Rough. That is yeah. an insane take, no, AK. Listen, I know that you don't want to, you don't <laughs> no. want to shoot from the hip. No. You don't want to give this the seven that it maxes out at. No. But if this card maxes out, it is a seven at you best. Are, you are confused. You guys, once again, well, I guess you're not confusing. You do understand the whole max out concept. I'm, I am using yes. your rules and That's explaining that, why I, you're wrong. And I appreciate that. I appreciate that you at least understand, Jed, the criteria that I am working under. And I think I agree. it's great criteria. This, this I main genuinely event, believe it's good criteria. This main event could bring it down a lot because the main event is, you know, kind of, is it's not the only thing you remember from these fight night cards, but it's a big takeaway. It's what most of our headlines are going to be about on Sunday. Uh, Sunday, uh, when we talk about it on Hacker Morning and the following BTL that's probably what we're going to talk about. Victorian Cannoneer, they're ranking in the middle eight. So it is unfortunate that that fight, boy, if we don't get a finish somewhere, I can't imagine it being an exciting decision. Maybe we're wrong. Listen, Vittori's fight with Costa was fantastic, but I just, this, this, this whole matchup with Cannoneer on paper, not pretty. It's not pretty. So uh, th- theoretically, that should bring down the score. But again, I, 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 th- the degree of difficulty, again, is always going to be higher than what we actually expect to happen, right? So I do think, I do think this could leave a very good taste in people's mouths if they tune in. If they choose to tune in, I'm not saying every, I'm not saying like everyone, this is not an 8.4 like anticipation rating. This isn't saying like, oh, you should definitely tune in because this is possible. I just think that there are people who, if they're fortunate, will be rewarded. Will it land at the 8.4 range? I don't know. I, again, I can't predict the future. Um, but I, I th- this is the, the most positive outlook I can have. Uh, and we've seen worse cards. Like the seven is, I would revert, I would reserve for some of the cards that we, some certainly some of the deplorable cards we saw last year. Um, I guess if you wanted to, you could rate those even lower. But my scale, yes. my scale is pretty. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I would. My scale starts at like six and a half. All right, and then I add from there. How about that? It's, I, I'm very rarely going to say like a UFC level card is is a six or below. Um, maybe maybe I'm giving the promotion too much respect now, but I'm, I will say, I'm very rarely going to go lower than like six and a half. So you can use that as sort of a, a reference point as well. This is a seven, man. Like of the 28 fighters competing, 16 have wiki pages. And I want to stress to you, you can make your own wiki page. You can literally just go do it right now if you're a professional fighter mm-hmm. and over half of the competitors on Saturday haven't Listen, done that. Like it is by that, just by that gauge, this Bellator card isn't great either. I agree. I'm not here to tell you it's great, but it at least has a high end where if it hits, we're talking about things forever. If this, this fight card hits, we are maybe talking about Armand Sarukian for four point. days. <laughs> like it's just this well, is a seven at best. Hold on. This is a seven. I, I will add it this. is I will, probably like a four. I will add this. 
I don't think you're giving credit for the potential weirdness that could happen in the main event. This is a this is not a middleweighty middleweight main event because again these guys are contenders like you know world title contenders. Is, but spiritually spiritually it is like I said it's it just it is just the beauty of middleweight even at the higher levels. The fights are still just kind of bleh. But I feel like this is this could be bleh in a fun way if something stupid happens. Someone's getting kicked in the groin. Someone's getting poked in the eye. Some maybe the referee. Maybe we see our first all of those things in an octagon. All those things can happen, and then we're talking about it in a funny way. And so I now I'm really standing by my eight point four. Okay, this isn't an eight point four. You're just excellent. you're just doubling down because I've I have to. On it. I have to look. I don't I don't know what card rates is a ten, but I think that's my main issue with the way you are so mm. generous with your scores is that i actually like a lot of these fights individually like yeah. it's some pretty decent matchups but the totality of it is a wall of mediocrity and if this just doesn't if this hits as best it can it still doesn't deserve a b it just doesn't deserve a b it deserves a passing grade if everything goes right and if everything doesn't go right it's net it fails and that's where we should be at. That's why this should be a max score of like 72. And and that's it. It's got to hit all the marks to get a passing See. grade. Otherwise, we're talking D minus here. See, but it's like a Richter scale, though. It's like the degrees go up by so much. Like 8.4 sounds like it's close to 10, but it's not really close to 10, right? Like once you hit nine, then every point, you know, every point in above nine, like 9.1, 9.2, 9.3, is like exponentially more than the previous point. You know what I'm saying? So it's like it it sounds like 8.4 is close to 10, but it's not. On my scale, eight point four is really, actually, really just, far away. From I'm just that. not going to agree with your scale in this. The word. Well, just, I keep. I, well, I, listen. I keep. I keep too much it. friction there because I, I don't have it, a problem. So being it's hard. Like, to, that's a two. That is a two of a card, and you should do no, other things with your time. This isn't no, a two. It's a six. It's a six and no a half. There's no twos in the UFC. If you're watching the UFC, you're not getting a two. All right. That's the U, UFC is a brand of excellence. This is a brand of excellence. How dare you? Listen. I'm telling you right now, if Zalgazuma Gulov goes out there and just runs, just runs over Felipe Bunez, there's like people are gonna have so much fun. People are gonna have so much fun with the hairdo and everything. He's gonna get a boost if he has a performance like that. I actually, I'm not 8.4 on this card, but I'm probably like seven nine to eight one range. I actually think there's a lot of like really fun fights on here. It's not a ton of star power, and I get Vittori Cannoneer could be, well, Vittori Cannoneer, but I actually think it's going to be a pretty fun fight, mostly because there's not a ton of stakes here, so sign me the hell up. I actually think it's going to be pretty good. Uh, let's move over real quick to PFL5, and Jed, we'll start there, because we'll start with you, because you will be there in the, in the ATL, Roots your the favorite ground, divisions, your favorite divisions, heavyweights, Women's featherweights. We have Auntie Delijah, the PFL, the reigning PFL heavyweight champion, taking on former UFC fighter, the crochet boss himself, Maurice Green, which means if Maurice Green is around, that means John Jones might not be too far behind. We got Larissa Pacheco in the co-main event. How excited are you for this one, Jed? So uh, I said previously, totally stand by the statement, worst two divisions in the PFL, and that's very, very true. I enjoy them both a great deal because I'm a sicko uh, and heavyweight fights will never not be funny to me because they're either going to be over in about 90 seconds or they're going to be the, just the slappiest, awfulest 
15 minutes of drudgery. And fortunately, I think we're largely going to avoid that this week. Um, Ante Delaja probably going to get a win, but we got stakes here, Mike, because the PFL is dumb. Love you, PFL. See you guys tomorrow. But your season is very stupid because there is a very realistic world where Ante Delaja can beat Mo Green tomorrow and not make the playoffs because his first fight didn't happen because uh, he had to pull out of it. And so he is currently at zero points in the heavyweight standings. Maurice Green got a second round finish. He's got five points. If some other things break and we have multiple people with, you know, six points, five points, Delaja needs a win in under uh, like two minutes into the second round or something like that to move ahead of Maurice Green. And if he just gets a decision win and gets three points, he's probably like a lock to not make the playoffs at this juncture. So stakes because the PFL structure is very dumb that their defending champion goes one and oh and doesn't make the playoffs and the dude he beats will make the playoffs. So, you know, that adds a fun little wrinkle of excitement. He's got to try and get a victory. Whereas Pacheco's going to um, also kill someone. So that's pretty cool. And Hanan Ferreira, me and me and GC talked about it on No Bet's part. There was like, there was a moment, there was a Hanan Ferreira moment where I was like, maybe this guy's going to be something. He's not, but he still has the potential to do violent, cool things. So, Look, we're going to have to sit through Aspen Ladd and Julia Budd um, fights, which is tough, but I've I've found the way to make that interesting by parlaying the two of them together in the double D parlay because Aspen Ladd with two Ds and Budd with two Ds uh, and just, you know, running that in. But the rest of these fights are whatever, the PFL fights. But I'm going to be there, so it's going to be dope. The okay, double D you know, parlay. Maybe. Double D parlay, <laughs> baby. I am banking parlay money on Aspen Lad. What can go wrong? On on letters. Yeah. And on Aspen Lad, uh, who has never let anyone down in a mixed martial arts cage. Old reliable. That's what they call her. It should only be a quarter machine worth of risk on this, right? Oh, yeah. Not not a high level of risk, but, you know, we're just here to have fun. I look for gimmicks where I can find. I've got the Christian parlay in the UFC. Canones and uh, CLD. There you go. AK, and maybe Don Davis needs uh-huh. to create a, a graphic comparing the three cards for you to give a, an actual answer. But how, how do you like this PFL card? Um, I, listen, I've stared at this PFL card actually multiple times over the week because um, a little inside baseball. You know, I'm one of the editors who helps handle sort of the um, – Sit, like when you see on mafine.com, when you go to the schedule page and sort of see it updated, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm one of several editors who handles that. And so I've had to look at this card throughout the week, um, just kind of waiting for it to be the order to be finalized. So I've stared at these names. I felt so little emotion. And I say this as a, as a, a big fan of Larissa Pacheco, who, again, she should be main eventing over Ante Delicia and Maurice Green. Uh, listen, fair play to both. I know uh, Delicia is also a 2022 champion. He was the heavyweight champion last year. So it's, they're both champions. I understand. And you get heavier in combat sports always goes top of the card, but, but Pacheco, again, she beat Kayla Harrison. I feel like she got a little bit of a rub off that. I think, um, even though Jed's right, there's a lot of urgency with Delisha and green because Delisha needs a first round finish to have a chance to make the playoffs. Um, I think Pacheco and LeBrock has a big chance of getting finished. 
And I just think Pacheco's like really exciting. I wish I almost wish they had a, a more promotional push behind her. I'm not saying like they need to push her as much as Kayla Harrison. I understand the inherent advantages that Kayla Harrison has as far as being marketed to um, a North American audience. I get it. That's fine. But there's a lot to I, I do think there's a lot to work with with Pacheco. Um, and I wish that they had um, I wish they had made this the main event. But the card the rest of the card, <laughs> Jed is right. You really got to spice it up with some with some gambling, I think. Uh, we had one fighter miss weight. If that if that's intriguing to people, Evelyn Martinez missed weight again for Marina Moknatkina, the Marina Moknatkina fight. But yeah, the PFL season is just is just so is just so weird in the best of circumstances. And then you add in the drug test suspensions, and it's just it, it's hard it's hard to kind of get super excited for these um, these regular seasons. I think it'll kick, kick up again when the playoffs roll around. Which is great, you know. The stakes are more clear, uh, and um, you know you you have uh, you have probably the the names that deserve to be there. Though Delisia should be there, and we don't know what's happening there. Um, but right now, it is it really is difficult to get up. The only thing is, I will say, I feel like PFL has had good luck this season with. Uh, some some having some exciting finishes, uh, s- several exciting finishes per card. This hasn't been the case every year. There's been some cards that have been a super drag, not just because of the pacing, but because you just get some listless decisions against fighters that, again, um, more, the majority of fans have no investment in. At least this year, they've gotten a handful of highlights. They've been able to push those on social and make it seem like PFL is uh, an exciting product. And if you're, again, that's what, if you're the league, you're doing a great job of, of at least um, selling that. So I think there's a chance for finishes here, uh, especially on the main card. And that is, uh, that can only be good for the PFL. But yeah, I'm not, I can't lie to you guys. I'm not like super enthused. This would be like, this would hit be in the six, 6.5 range if we're talking um, degree of difficulty. Well, get excited. Weekend full of MMA, two cards tomorrow, one card on Saturday. The point for round four goes to... Alexander Kaylee, it's two to two. Sorry, PFL. Sorry, I had to be... I, I, keep it, I gotta keep it real. I keep it real for the All right. Minute. So that means it's time for the knockout round. Well, each gentleman will have 60 seconds to answer a question. We're going back to let's make a deal. We're picking doors, we're picking fighters, and we're putting putting you guys in, in these fighters' shoes. There's been a lot of topics going on in the world of mixed martial arts. So a lot of fighters we haven't heard from about certain topics, at least not enough. So... AK, you were the last man of the two to get a victory. So you get to decide whether you want to go first or not, or if you want to pass on over to Jed Mishu. Let's go, Mike. Number one, first, always, always. So you you could pick any door between one and four. Door number one. All I do is door number one. Door number one, and I've been thinking about this a lot lately, AK, because there are, as you know, this sport moves very quickly and debatable topics outside of like the GOAT conversation and all that, pound for pounds, those things can last a little bit longer. But there's one topic of discussion that has seemed to just last forever and it doesn't seem to be going away. It is this Daniel Cormier take on whether or not Jim Miller should be a UFC Hall of Famer. This just continues on. Everybody has an opinion on it. There's a million articles being written about it all over the place. This will not die. This continues on. So for the next minute, AK, let's hear from the man himself. Let's hear from Mr. Jim Miller about all these conversations going on about you and whether or not you are a Hall of Famer. So one minute on the clock. You are no longer my best friend. You are Jim Jim Miller. Miller. 
All right. You respond to this right. debate and what DC said and what everybody else is saying. Go. Hey, I'm Jim Miller. I'm from Jersey. Hey, uh, listen, I got a lot of respect for Dan Cormier. He's a good guy. But I got I got the most appearances in UFC history. I'm breaking records left and right. Hey, uh, I, I understand. I never listen. I, I, I never fought for the title. I get I never I never fought. For the, I, I was never even the number one contender. But but when you got the accolades I got, when you got the currency with the company I got, I'm good friends with Dana White. Dana White loves me. Listen, that's the number one criteria for getting into the UFC Hall of Fame. I'm getting in. Hey, so uh, with with respect to Dan Cormier, listen, if, if if Donald Cerrone's in there, then I, how can they not find a spot for Jim Miller? You know, just because I never I never contended for the UFC title. Uh, record, records longevity has to mean something. I got the milestones, UFC 200. I'm going to be at 300. Uh, 300 is probably where they're going to induct me. It's just, it's just good business, eh? Jim Miller, listen, A-10. Y'all know me as A-10, one of the most popular nicknames in MMA. Hey, it's, yeah, I got to be in there. So apologies to Dan Cormier, but put me in the Hall of Fame. Boy, you sounded like Dana White there. Ooh. Where, well, guys, what happened there? The AK impersonations are just incredible. Ooh, I really, uh, I, listen, that's a spot on Jim. If you heard Jim Miller talk, uh, it's spot on. It's spot on. Everybody's, I love the, do it. I, I keep forgetting that these rounds are so memorable because every impersonation, male, female, champion, say, non-champion, it's all Rodney Dangerfield yeah. all the time. <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah. No, this is, this is different. It's, it sounded similar to, to AK Dangerfield, but it's not, it wasn't exactly, uh, it's different. It's different. Well, I was thinking Andrew Dice Clay. For you there. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. A, a, little bit Clay, of, that's right. a little bit of Dice in there as well. All right, Jed. So yeah. you have doors to three take and four to choose from. <laughs> like i'm gonna take door number three. Oh god this this is a sore spot ak is well aware of how i feel uh about what transpired on sunday night in miami florida if you haven't heard my reaction you go listen to heck of a morning on tuesday i was not very kind to this floyd mayweather boxing card it was it was trash but door number three is John Gotti the third, Jed Mishu, a man no, who so I also got to do Andrew Dice Clay guy. <laughs> I mean who took uh he seemed to have t- <laughs> he seemed to have taken this this thing very seriously. Perhaps he was a little bit naive heading into this fight with Floyd Mayweather. And at this point, I'm sure you have seen what transpired. And as first reported by our wonderful colleague Stephen Morocco. John Gotti III gets a six-month suspension from the Florida Commission for his actions, and Floyd Mayweather got no suspension for his actions, despite bringing 800 people to the ring and surrounding it so that the judges and the commentators could not do their friggin' jobs. So you are John Gotti III. React to everything that happened on Sunday and react to the suspension you just received and Floyd not getting any kind of suspension at all. One minute on the clock, go. It's anti-Italian discrimination, Mike. That's what it is. I what am what am, what am I doing here? What am what am I a putz? This is nonsense, Mike. That guy comes to the comes to the ring with five hundred of his guys. I just got me and my brothers. Just me and my brothers, Mike. Come on now. Bum couldn't even put me down. He's trying to the greatest of all time. He could he couldn't win a street fight with me, so we had to bring all the people around. The nonsense. Kenny Bayless, Kenny Shameless, nonsense, Mike. He's coming at me. This is anti-Italian discrimination, pure and simple. That's all it is. You go ask Tony Soprano about this. He'll tell you what's going on. We gotta get a union. 
We got to get the league together to fight this. This will not stand, Mike. I want this suspension revoked immediately, and I want to run it back because I'm going to show pretty boy Floyd, Floyd Money. I'm going to show him these two myths right here. In the street around, Conor McGregor on my back right here beside me. I'll show him what's up. This is absolutely ridiculous, Mike Heck. Wow. I uh, I'm so like, sorry. I'm so sorry that I started this. <laughs> by the way, I apologize to the listeners. I have to uh, do it. is going to do it. Anyone who who is uh, deservedly offended by these impressions we just did, uh, I apologize. I am so sorry. <laughs> and we're all having a laugh. We're all having a laugh here. I do apologize. So. This is like um, old SNL when Mike Myers used to host Coffee Talk. That's yep. what both of you guys try to do. I'm feeling um, verklempt. I'll give you a topic. Talk amongst yourselves. Rhode Island, not a road I or an to, island. Trying to channel my Silvio Dante. That's all I was trying to do in there. Yes. Uh, by the way, for for context, door number four was Patchy Mix reacting to the Bantamweight title fight. Want to hear from him? Uh, number two would have also been fun for Jed. Uh, Michael Chandler reacting to everything going on with Conor McGregor oh. and. Uh, Jed's already Jed's already <laughs> delivered one of the all-time great. Is it is it Jed, too late? <laughs> I mean, it's gonna be tough for Jed to beat his last already Michael Chandler impression. Once. I believe I believe Jed had See, to do Michael Chandler top. and and Juliana Pena. I think you had to do a Juliana Pena impression at Probably. one point as well, which was I incredible. Oh no, that was Damon. Maybe Damon. I remember did the Chandler Pena. one for sure. Yeah, the Chandler one was great. Go back in the archives and find that one. So vote now. Like I said, preview show for the three cards was myself and Jose Youngs. We recorded it last night. It's going to premiere 3 p.m. Eastern. Talking about a lot of the stuff we talked about here. We'll have a people's pre-fight show on Saturday ahead of UFC Vegas 75. Jed will be in Atlanta for the PFL card. So did a great job last week. He'll do a fine job this week as well. Um, <laughs> I'm getting I'm getting demoted. <laughs> did a great job. He'll be fine. He'll be fine this well, I week. Mean, I mean, I don't know if Deontay Wilder is going to be there again. I doubt we're going to get Deontay again. Maybe you get John though. Jones. Maybe you get a, some, some John Jones. Maybe you get a one-on-one with Don Davis and you can get his reaction to the graphic. That's what I want to hear. God, I would absolutely do that if that's an option. I know you would. Don, I know you would. It'd Don, let's talk about the graphics. <laughs> yes. And then we can <laughs> but follow along with all that. Uh, MAFighting.com, Bellator, PFL, UFC, et cetera. So get the votes in. Let's bring in his honor. The Honorable E. Casey Lydon. Hi, Casey. Hello. Spirited battle here. Do we have a winner or do we need more time? We do have a winner. We have a winner. Okay. Who oh will take my. on New York Rick next week for the somewhat disputed I, BTL title? I'm just getting over those um, incredible impressions. Gabagool. <laughs> it's a me, a Mario. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> That's incredible. Thank you. (laughs) Your winner today with 55% of the votes is... He's back, baby. Jed Mishu. There he is. Jed Mishu challenging New York Rick next week. Wow. I will not be challenging him next week, actually. Oh, damn it. I'm on vacation next week, so AK, I hope you come in. I hope you can can deliver Andrew Dice Pay Lee uh, and and deliver us from this this terrible world where 
New York Rick is our champion, but otherwise, had a ton of fun today, fellas. We ended I, on such a high note. I got to, I got to do a Sopranos impression. That was just uh-huh. the best. So, I'm feeling great right now, guys. I, I, I might have to do a New York Rick impression uh, now that I think, now that I think about it. Hey, hey, my name's Rick. I'm from New York. Hey, I, I'm walking here. I'm walking, I'm walking here. here. God, people listen to the MAR. They know that's what he sounds, sounds like. Yeah. Well, he is wow. New York Rick after all. Mm, that's exactly. He's not Boston, Rick. No, he's not South Dakota, Rick. He's New York, Rick. Uh, and he'll be back next can week. We get a, can we get a Boston Mike episode versus uh, Andrew Dice K. Lee episode? A.K. Dice, uh, Dice yeah. Clay. You got about 15 minutes of Boston Mike uh, on Tuesday's <laughs> episode of Heck of a Morning. A.K. heard the whole thing. So I think he can attest what happened when I was talking about the Floyd Mayweather, John Gotti the third trash card that we watched on Saturday. So uh, Casey, you can hit the music. We are done. Thank you very much for watching. We'll be back next week to recap it all. PFL five. Maybe we'll recap something. Bellator 297, UFC Vegas 75. And then it's on the road to Jacksonville, Florida for the ultimate fighting championship. Josh Emmett versus Ilya Taporia, the main event. And the good news it's an ABC card, so we're going to get a little 3 p.m. Eastern main card action. So get excited for that. So thank you very much for AK, for Jed, for Casey on the ones and twos. The iconic voice of Esther Lynn takes you home. I am Mike Hack. Back next week. Good night, everybody. Hey, this is, this is Esther Lynn. You've been watching Between the Links. Hey, I'm Esther Lynn. You can tell by my voice. This is how I always talk. Esther Lynn. <laughs> That's my name. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible. Ability and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.